so we do this big investigation, we publish it. And one of the interesting things about the reader response to that story was that a few people said, okay, yeah, good story, interesting. I didn't know that stuff. But now are you gonna do a big investigation into Rachel Notley's, uh, you know, her, the same period of her life? So there's this assumption that Kenny did this stuff. There must be an equivalent that Notley was involved in that counterbalances this. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash ForgottenCornerPod, or visit our website, ForgottenCornerPod.com. Aloha and welcome to the Forgotten Corner podcast. We are back after a couple week vacation uh, in Hawaii as a group. Um, We didn't go as a group. We went with our individual extended families because like we just it's a tradition of like 17 years of going to Hawaii. So like our fucking hands were tied before you judge. We had no choice. But anyway, as our holiday wraps up, we are back. And a little bit of a change today. I, I guess I should say it's uh, I'm Scott Schmidt, your co-host here, and uh, I should probably uh, tell you that for the first time in our history, we are without my co-host Jeremy Appel, and the reason why will come to light in a few moments. So uh, you're gonna in for you're in for a real treat today because. Uh, Mo Cranker, our editor and producer and all of the things in between, is actually going to be some of the things in between today and uh, chat a little bit more. So, Mo, how the frick are you, buddy? Good. It's a big promotion for me. <laughs> I know. Why? Well, and we got, we should, cl- the last time we were even on this show, we were making jokes about getting rid of Jeremy because I kept accidentally saying like he was leaving the forgotten corner and not clarifying that that meant moving to Calgary, not leaving the podcast. And then the very next episode, he's not here. So, I mean, some people are going to think that we quietly got rid of him, but uh, that's, that's not entirely the case unless you do like really well today, in which case, what are we supposed to do? Just not go with the higher talent. He actually missed his flight from Hawaii, so he couldn't make it. That's right. That's right. He was he was at a luau late, late. This is not his fault. They don't have the they don't have the group uh, gathering rules there. So I mean, fifty people, fifty people. It's fun, but uh, we do have a pretty special uh, episode today that we're gonna get into shortly. Uh, a little bit of an independent media centric episode from a couple of guys that work in mainstream media still so we're going to show people how friendly we are with uh this new wave of journalists that come in making us all look silly um so should we get to it or do you want to talk about christmas or some shit did you have a good christmas yeah it was good super in all seriousness super low-key yeah so was ours i should say that too yeah we should clarify yeah we didn't actually go to hawaii just being assholes but um yeah no we have uh like Lori's parents and and uh, her mom and my parents now live here and and my sister and and her sister yada 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 and we're usually running around pretty good for a couple of days kind of we call it the gauntlet and it's fun but uh 
it was really awesome this year, just doing a little quietness. So, um, I, yes, we did not go to Hawaii. So let's get on with the show, though. So our guest this week is the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl, an award-winning Calgary-based independent media source that aims to provide local journalism done differently. Jeremy Clausus started The Sprawl in September of 2017 as a means for covering the Calgary municipal election, but has seen it evolve over the past three years to a core team of seven working to cover all levels of politics affecting Calgarians and Albertans as a whole. Glosses has been covering news in Calgary for about two decades with words over the years in Fast Forward Weekly, Alberta Views, the Calgary Herald, and the CBC, just to name a few. And now, on top of being the face of the sprawl, which has grown to more than 1,800 subscribers, Glosses is also co-host Jeremy Appel's new boss. And so, to ensure, to ensure my usual co-host doesn't say anything to get himself in trouble one month after moving to Cowtown, he's going to take the week off while we chat with his uh, his new employer. Mr. Clausus, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. Wow, thank you for coming. We don't want any, we don't want to give anybody the impression that we're just, uh, you know, being friendly to friends here, right? Like, we're just, like, this is a, this is a legitimate, forget, forget who, where, who works where, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a really good episode today, I think, hey? Yeah, and uh, Appel, I mean, he dodged a bullet by uh, by stepping away for this one, right? <laughs> well, he's he's still nervous. He hasn't felt, you know, he's in his three-month probation period still, right? So, I mean, like, you ask my co-host today, Mo, like, about probation. Like, that shit can last a lot longer than three months, too, can it, Mo? Yeah, that, we're not talking about that. <laughs> I still have oh. uh, bad memories. Yeah, yeah, years ago, but... Oh man, so funny. Well, another story, another story. So my friend, let's get into your life a little bit because uh, I want to hear about uh, what got you to where you are today. And uh, you grew up, I, we talked a little bit earlier, you, you grew up in Morinville, Alberta, outside of Edmonton. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Give us give us the Jeremy Clausus life synopsis. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I grew up uh, in small towns outside Edmonton. So uh, Callahoo first and then, uh, and then Mournville. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I got into journalism by delivering the Edmonton sun, uh, in Mournville. Uh, so that was my, my first foray into the, into the industry. Uh, at one point, I think I had close to, uh, you know, a quarter of the town was my route. Um, and, and yeah, I, throughout my childhood, uh, one thing that's kind of interesting is I went to, a a private, uh, Christian school, uh, called accelerated Christian education. It's a curriculum that comes out of Texas. Um, and so, so I went to the school and then for high school, I went away to Prairie Bible Institute in Three Hills uh, and actually lived in a dorm there for three years. Do you consider yourself a religious person present day? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, I guess so. I feel like it's complicated. Uh, I think it would have to be. And I mean, any with all due respect to religions, but it's 2020, yeah, yeah. 2021 now, I guess, like, there's got to be some complications to these relationships. Yeah, yeah. I, 
yeah, I would say yes, I guess, broadly speaking, uh, but with <laughs> with numerous apprehensions and caveats. Uh, yeah, I mean, like my faith is important to me uh, and has informed my life, obviously. Uh, but I don't know, the, the one thing that I think I've taken away from all that is like that was an environment of like real certainty, like everybody like you knew things were black and white, right? Uh, and there wasn't a lot of room for gray. So I think like, I'm really skeptical when I see that, like, and, and in my job now, it's like, well, you see that. You see that in like, <laughs> it's actually kind of uncannily uh, applicable to uh, Alberta's current situation where it's like you have leaders who kind of ascribe to an ideology as if it's yeah. a deity yeah exactly and yeah. we're like this is how i see the world and like you don't let anything else into that that and, kind of tight circle that you've right. created um so yeah it, it's i'm kind of wary of all that stuff uh but but i find it interesting um but yeah so when you you went to mount royal for jerk for J school as we always call it journalism school was this was that like right out of high school kind of thing you go straight into journalism school because well, you've because you're what like late 30s you're not an old guy so um if you've been I, doing this for 20 years you must have got started pretty quick yeah it was a year after i graduated from high school so the year after i uh after I graduated, I did a thing called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, which is this Christian mission organization. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. And I went to Victoria for what was essentially a skateboarding and snowboarding ministry. So we would go, we would go to these, uh, like we'd go to skate parks or, uh, you know, the snowboarding hill ski yeah. hills and have and, and and pray for people uh and and uh yeah it was kind of a surreal <laughs> surreal experience in retrospect like what um, like i pray that you don't hit a tree on the way down kind of thing or like i pray well, that you land I mean, that the, i mean the, flip kick flip that that too uh but i pray that you come to the lord uh, oh jesus so like it was a it was a evangelical operation so like if you could like evangelize to somebody on the chairlift uh on the way up then uh then you were doing pretty good wow um but th that so as part of that for our mission so like our mission field uh such as it was we kind of got ripped off like a lot of people go somewhere interesting uh, like Hawaii <laughs> or further abroad. Uh, but, but actually where we ended up was Salt Lake city in 2001 for, uh, the Olympics or no, just wait, 2002. It was, uh, for the winter Olympics in Salt Lake city. Uh, and while we were there, well, a few things happened there, uh, that I think were interesting. <laughs> One was, this is getting way off track, but the, at the time, there were these Roots berets. I don't know if you remember this. There were these berets made by Roots. That yes, were like... I absolutely do. <laughs> they went. They went nuts. Like people were 
paying like a thousand dollars for these stupid hats from roots that sold for like $20. So me and this other guy from this mission thing figured this out and we would sneak out of the church like early in the morning and go to roots and get in line and buy a couple of these hats for, you know, $20 and then go sell them for hundreds on the street. Uh, and we did this for a few days and then, you know, we were joking with each other. We're like, yeah, this is our ministry, right? <laughs> but oh the leaders God. got wise and figured it out. And at one point it was like, they threatened to send us home and all this stuff. So that, that got shut down. But the other thing that happened there was I applied to journalism school, like on a whim from a public internet terminal uh, in Salt Lake City. And I can't even remember like what my real thinking around it was. I just know like I filled out this form, Mount Royal College, journalism, uh, submit it and see what happens. And then the rest is history. Like, like you closed your eyes and spun a globe of professions and you put your finger on it and just was well, journalism? I don't think it was that random. random. Like right. I knew I wanted to do writing of some sort. Right. Um, and, and frankly, I didn't have the grades, the high school grades to get into like ufc or anything like that so it was like i can get into mount royal college i think uh so <laughs> no offense no offense mount royal now no university offense. yeah very very uh <laughs> yeah i know i went to lethbridge college and like right after i started there like a year or two after they rebranded from lethbridge community college and so like it was a real point of pride for those first few years and people would be like oh you go to lcc and it's like no man not lethbridge community college okay it's lethbridge college yeah yeah get it right (laughs) sorry Uh, big name schools i you can tell i've got my diploma up obviously yeah yeah right so so you come out of when you after mount royal then did you just stick around in calgary living there and that's sort of you just got freelancing out of calgary yeah exactly it just I mean, usually what happens when you go to journalism school or at that time, I mean, that's almost two decades ago now, you would do your internships uh, in the middle of nowhere at small town newspapers, like uh, the Medicine Hat News, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Fair comment. Uh, Yeah, but like you'd go, you know, you'd go to a newspaper and you do all the, you do everything basically like you know, the, the editor would go on holidays. And a lot of times these interns would basically be like running the show or like filling the paper uh, with copy. Dude, we used them bad hard. Like, and we had, there was a time when, you know, it wasn't quite like it is today where there's like four people left and we have to make a newspaper every single day somehow. Yeah, there yeah. was a time when we actually had like numerous people in the newsroom and we would hire on interns summer interns crepes uh mo's mo's girlfriend is a former intern at the medicine hat news so okay we're we're creating chemistry with for all kinds of things when we hire on interns which we are probably never going to do again so no more (laughs) no more cupid at the medicine hat news but go on my friend i'm sorry (laughs) no i mean so that's what most people did but i i really didn't want to do that uh i didn't want to leave Calgary and so I I ended up interning at CTV News uh which I hated uh just not really very small town and obscure like it sounds like you got 
like through the long straw kind of thing like that's a pretty good place to land don't you think yeah yeah and 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 it was in the sense of like you're i mean i was w- working alongside like these tv journalists and uh learning lots but like yeah i mean you're writing 30 second voiceover clips like to me it was just like this is even then i was gravitating towards like the more in-depth stuff so so then for my next internship i managed to get in at fast forward weekly uh which was calgary's alt weekly paper um and so they had a news writer and you know with fast forward most of the content was entertainment arts and entertainment but then they had a news section that had you know some news stories had some analysis that was kind of of a a progressive bent and for a lot of folks fast forward was like the i don't know it was an it was an alternative to everything else it was like okay in fast forward you're going to read stuff that you're not going to find in the calgary herald or you know see on ctv um and so so yeah i ended up at fast forward and that ended up being you know i went from an internship there eventually became a staff writer there for a couple of years which was always like i always looked at that as like that's the best journalism job there is <laughs> Uh, and I still kind of think that, like, even in retrospect, I'm like, that's, it was, it was awesome. It was like, could write about whatever I wanted. And yeah. You're not pigeonholed into certain categories or uh, yeah, ex- exactly. points like, of view, I guess, is the. Yeah. Or, or, you know, you're not uh, stuck on the crime beat. No offense to anyone who covers crime. Uh but, but to me, that didn't hold appeal, you know, like, yeah. oh, this happened, uh, this incident happened, and you write up a, a few hundred words on that. And yeah, you could kind of do some more in-depth stuff, uh, always with the view of like, okay, what's not being covered in the city? Um, and that's, nice to, that's a nice thing to do, because like, we don't have that luxury Mm -hmm. at all anymore at the news i mean there's really like people we're at a place right now where people are like how come you didn't cover this thing on saturday and it's like i hate to break it to you but we literally don't have an employee that works on saturday Mm -hmm. like how bad is that right but we don't yeah and so this is where we're at we're like now it's just like whatever gets covered gets covered it's a very sad sad state but there oh yeah but, but at the time you know when we were in our still somewhat heyday or whatever, you know, and, and um, there was, you know, beats, right? So you oh, had yeah. your, you had your beat and God, I think Mo and I are both the same. Like neither one of us are interested in like a beat. Like I, I got on the layout desk because they offered me court or education. Like I can't even remember it was so long ago. And I was just like, no. <laughs> No, I just don't want to like, I don't want to go and sit at a council meeting or a school board meeting or whatever. Like it's just, I have zero interest in that. And so um, I can understand why, like, you know, getting to cover something with some more teeth is probably better. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah. And I think what you describe, I think we're all in that situation now where it's like, even for the sprawl, it's like, there's a million things that we want to cover or like there's a lot of worthy stories that we don't cover and it's like we want to uh but it's this situation of like 
very limited resources. And it's interesting, like looking back at, you know, the Calgary Herald, for example, if you look in their archives, even in the 90s, like just the robustness of coverage, like you'd have, yeah, you'd have like your education beat reporter, you'd have your health beat reporter, you'd even have like obscure relatively by today's standards obscure niches like somebody writing about uh tv like local tv for example like stuff that just now would just <laughs> just in incomprehensible right but then they also did like the longer feature type stuff uh as well but but over time that that got uh really pared back until until we're at, at where we're at now right absolutely so now, fast forward weekly, that is, it, it no longer exists, right? And is, is yeah, that so, sort of what kind of got you toward the sprawl a little bit, right? So let, tell me that story, because I know it was sort of one in succession of each other. Yeah, so fast forward folded in 2015, <laughs> and like, and that's been happening everywhere, like all across North America, these alt-weekly newspapers, Um. <clears throat> Yeah, new, you know, same old story. Advertising shifting online, uh, it just becomes harder for these for these papers to make a go of it. So fast forward, folded in 2015, and after that happened, um, I think a lot of people in Calgary were like, you know, there's a gap, like there's a hole. I used to go to fast forward and you know get something there that that I wouldn't get from the daily newspapers and other media in the city, and now that's gone and. And so, yeah, after that happened, I always thought like, well, you know, what's going to take its place? Um, and I would kind of throw that on social media sometimes, like, and I just say like, yeah, fast forward, served a need in the city and now it's gone. Like what, I wonder what'll take its place. And, and people would, anytime I would say anything like that, like people would really, react positively and be like yeah like we need something like and a few people said like if you are if you decide to start something like we'd support it um so kind of from the outset i had this sense that people would they'd support it like there, there was a there was an audience and an appetite in the city um so yeah it grew it grew out of that and then and then it was really a matter of Pairing the whole thing back even before it launched. Cause like, I think everybody who starts a venture like this, like you have big, I don't know, you, you want to do everything and you want to do, you want to do like a, a, a news venture that, um, that does all this stuff and covers, you know, does all this in-depth coverage and you quickly realize like, okay, a lot of these kinds of ventures start out with like, this burst of enthusiasm and kind of all the promise in the world. And then they peter out over time because it's just not sustainable. Um, and so I met, I met with a friend of mine and a mentor, uh, Shelly Youngblood. She used to, she started Swerve Magazine, which was a magazine in the Calgary Herald uh, that did in-depth stuff. And I wrote for Swerve for a while and Swerve is now gone. Um, but I was talking to her about this idea and she said, well, why don't you just cover the municipal election? Just for, she said, just like, forget about everything you're talking about for a second. Why don't you just cover 
the municipal election and why don't you just cover it on Facebook? Then you're not, then you're not trying to create this huge thing. Uh, and that's when the light bulb kind of came on for me where it was like, Hey, that's actually smart. Like that's actually doable for one person rather than trying to, you know, do, create this huge thing. Um, and so that's how it began. I just, you know, covered the 2017 municipal election. I had a friend design a logo. Uh, we came up with this name, another friend, actually, uh, uh, an editor I worked with at fast forward, Peter Hemminger was like, Oh, you know, I have this name for a newspaper, but I'm never going to make it. It's the sprawl. Like, uh, it just seems so Calgary. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all kind of came together that way. It is a good name. I mean, considering one of Calgary's problems has always been <laughs> sprawling yeah, all yeah. over the, right. What, how much more can we build? But no, it's awesome. And uh, so when you got started, like, like you said, it was, is this one thing. So were you planning, like, did you have an idea of what would, con would it continue after the election? Like we talked earlier, you mentioned pop-up journalism where it's sort of like mm. um, this need for, for sources or, or media outlets to sort of show up when necessary to cover necessary things. So when you started, was it like, okay, we're going to start with the municipal election and then find something else? Or were you like, I'm going to start with the municipal election and then stop after if it's, nobody reads it kind of thing? Or Yeah, I mean, the idea was like, keep it going um, in this pop-up format. So I, yeah, I tapped into this uh, pop-up trend of, you know, pop-up uh, whatever <laughs> restaurants or pop-up this and that. Uh, and, and the thinking was, you know, if, if people are into this, like the, I was thinking if the municipal election is a good test, if people are into this, then there could be another one, another pop-up of some sort that covers something else. If people aren't into it, uh, okay, then I have my answer. Like, then this is, it's just not a, it's not going to take off and that's fine. That's how it is. Um, and I actually remember like weirdly for the first one, I wasn't going to try and crowdfund at all. Like I, I was thinking like, okay, I'll just like do it, like prove the concept kind of thing and then try and figure out this uh, monetization after. Uh, and I have a friend who basically told me, he's like, you're an idiot. He's like, like set up a Patreon page or like do something, like give people a way to support this because they will. Uh, and he was right about that. So yeah, it, it the election, I mean, it was a classic case of like right place, right time in a way, because that election actually turned out to be interesting uh, with a- Bill Smith. Or... Yeah, yeah, with Bill Smith. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a competitive mayoral race uh, that people were following closely. And then it was like, oh, there's this new thing, the sprawl, they're, they're live streaming all these forums. They're like doing this, you know, pop-up journalism thing. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a confluence of all these factors. Did you put much effort into getting a mainstream media job over the years? Like, like you seem pretty, uh, you know, 
based in Calgary, right? Like, I don't know if it, it was it about you just wanted to stay in Calgary. Like, did you put feelers out all over the country kind of thing? Saying like, cause most and Jeremy, they're both from Ontario, right? And they, mm. they apply at the medicine hat news, which is somehow considered mainstream media. Right. So um, did you put much effort into getting a, a staffing job at, at a Herald or the sun or the star or yada, yada, yada? I mean, some, some over the years, like I, I applied to the Herald for different reporting jobs and could never get in the door, um, but was able to kind of get, get in, in the side door, so to speak. So, you know, at the Herald for a few years, I wrote a, a column, uh, which was a good gig. Uh, it pays, obviously paid terribly, uh, but, but it was good. Like I got to, you know, develop uh my skills as a as a writer and as a journalist writing this this column on the editorial pages um and then i wrote for swerve as well uh which was in the herald and again in a freelance capacity but yeah i could never i don't know it was it was two things like one i could never quite get in the door uh like at the herald and then also I don't know, like I worked at CBC for a summer as a radio reporter. And it's it, it was just so, I don't know, it was just so uh, superficial, I guess, is how I felt about it. Like you're, you, you're running around getting clips that you can kind of slap together for, you know, the, the afternoon newscast. Um, and, and, and I get, and I have a lot of respect for people who like do that well. Cause I, I can't do it well. Like I, this is what I realized, like the daily people, <laughs> I'm just like blown away that like they write good copy and like these good radio reports really fast. It's okay. Um, they don't really write good copy. That's why, I, that's why I haven't, that's why I still have a fucking job. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> gotta a lot of them. To my reporters. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I can't do it. I mean, like I, I, I always struggled in that environment. So even when I was at CBC, it was like, well, I don't know. I'd rather be doing something interesting to my, you know, like going in depth on a story. Of, and, and that's how I ended up at Alberta Views Magazine. Uh, I went, I was at CBC for a bit and then ended up, uh, or no, maybe it was the other way around. I'm confused. I need to drink more coffee. Anyways, yeah, Saturday the morning. Is, the point is, long and short, I couldn't get into the Calgary Herald, so it was like I got to do something else here. And so, with the sprawl, uh, you covered that municipal election. Uh, how much support did you get right away? And after the election, how much support were you getting? Yeah, it <clears throat> it happened fast, and just by nature of it being an interesting election, like the support piled up pretty quickly. Um, I'm trying to remember what the actual numbers were, but I, I think like by the end of the election, it was like over a hundred people uh, supporting the sprawl. And then the next month was uh, budget week at city hall. And so I covered that, that was a sprawl edition. Like I'll just cover the budget deliberations. And, and that one, uh, there was a ton of support on as well. Um, and, and yeah, it was just this, uh, I think a combination of things, one of them being, it, it, I always, from the beginning, didn't wanna do like a punitive 
uh, scolding sell to people. So like, and what I mean by that is like, journalism is important. Like if you don't support journalism, then like, do you really care about your community? <laughs> uh, this, this and, and no paywalls and none of that kind of, uh, what punitive uh, tone. It was always more upbeat, like, okay, we're covering the election. Uh, if you support this work, like pitch in five or $10 a month. Uh, and so right from the outset, it was like, it was, it was positive. It was like, and I was conscious of that, like make it something people want to be a part of, not something that people that it's like they're guilted into, or like they feel bad or like, uh, yeah, like make it, make it a good experience for people. Um, and so, yeah, by the end of, you know, a few months in, I think it was, you know, at a couple hundred uh type thing did the growth of the of the sprawl itself not to support the the actual expansion into you know hiring people on was that an organic thing or did you feel obligated as support came in did you feel obligated to start giving your subscribers more than what you were personally able to give Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's been an interesting tension and an interesting question uh, throughout the thing, because that was a question early on, as this support grew, which is like, is the sprawl me? Or is it more than me? Because like, that's one model, there are some people who do that. Uh, there's a guy in Hamilton, Ontario, Joey Coleman, uh, who I respect a lot, and he was kind of an inspiration for the sprawl. And that's what he does. He's like a one man city hall bureau um, and, and does it really well. And he, he's the authority on city hall in Hamilton. But, but yeah, as the sprawl, as this support came in, it's like, it was like, do I want to really do that one man show route or, you know, let other people into it, like other voices and, get more writers. And so, and so that's the way, that's the way it evolved. And it, and it was organic in a way <clears throat> in that, you know, the sprawl has grown in accordance with our crowdfunding basically. So as, so rather than, you know, it's not like I didn't go out and raise a bunch of venture capital and, you know, hire a bunch of journalists and this is going to be amazing. It was like, okay, like, uh, <laughs> no, it's one person covering the municipal election. And now a bunch of people have signed up to support this. And now, oh, now we can do more. We can do these freelance pieces. We can, you know, bring on some other people. And then grant money too has helped with that. So base, but ba the, the, the real bedrock of the thing is the crowdfunding. Like as that's grown, uh, we've been able to, yeah, bring on more, more folks. And so where are you at now with uh, funding and what's your staff kind of breakdown look like? Mm -hmm. So we're at, uh, we're at over 1800. Actually, I should check the numbers. We might be close to 1900 now, uh, monthly, monthly members. And that shakes out to, uh, over, I think it's last month was over 13,000, uh, a month. And then, yeah, in terms of our staff, we have seven people on our team. So there's me, there's an assistant editor. We've got, uh, Alberta politics reporter, a municipal politics reporter, 
Who's that? Uh, a rising star in the field of journalism. <laughs> Notor- gained Appel. notoriety. I read his bio today. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Appel, Appel, who gained notoriety at the Medicine Hat News. Yeah. That doesn't but happen I mean, to too it, many people at the Medicine Hat News, so good for him. But it is interesting, actually. Like, even uh, my wife, who doesn't – I wouldn't say she follows this stuff, like, media uh, – names of people intensely closely but she was aware of uh aware of jeremy and she's like oh yeah medicine hat news guy like that that's an interesting phenomenon of (laughs) of how that's all gone down of like people outside medicine hat being aware of this paper like your column and uh and jeremy's stuff um yeah it it uh it's created some interesting I don't want to, tension's a bad, a bad word, but it, it, an interesting uh, circumstances, I guess, the paper sometimes, because like, what do you do when you are a daily newspaper in the conservative epicenter of like the most conservative place on earth, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got these one and two, well, two before now one that kind of go against the grain with what they're reporting. What do you do when that's simultaneously getting complaints and the most well-read thing by a long shot? Yeah, yeah. It brings in the readers and also brings in pissy pants, right? Yeah, yeah. And and subscribers, from what I from from what I saw on social media, like people outside Medicine Hat being like, "I am gonna." Like, is yeah. that right? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we had a, a surge early for sure. And and yeah. still we get the odd person that'll email in and say like, oh, I'm signing up because of this or whatever. And that's great. Uh, but uh, like without getting myself into any trouble with my employer, I only hear about the subscribers that threaten to stop being at the Medicine at News. Why yeah, can't yeah. you be more positive or some shit or whatever? So yeah, yeah. like instead of like, writing a column and giving everyone my mom's butter tart recipe at the during the holidays i just didn't write because i was like if if you're not gonna let me write my thing right now then i'm just i'll see you in the new year because like i'm sorry but that kind of brings me to one of the things i wanted to talk about with you today because uh we've we've discussed this a little bit lately because december's been a bit of an annoying month personally as far as this pressure to please individuals that kind of thing and 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 we you know we always know that the ones that are upset are louder than the ones that aren't no one phones mm-hmm. in to say, you know people don't phone in to say like i'm keeping my subscription because yeah. of scott right like they phone totally. in to be like tell that socialist to fuck off or i'm leaving right yeah so we're fighting this battle all the time at the newspaper and that battle gets in the way of what I believe is the fundamental purpose of what we do as journalists. Mm-hmm. Your, the independent media scene kind of evolved because of mainstream media's inability to fill the gap between pleasing a certain group of people and doing the job that is necessary. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it, if I look at from an outsider, when I look at something like the sprawl, you're crowdfunded. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, is there not some sort of similar pressures? Like, do you feel mm-hmm. an obligation to please 1,800 people? Or are you confident that those 1,800 people showed up in the first place because you aren't catering to a specific thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's been... I think that's something that's evolved because when the sprawl started and when it was just a handful of people supporting it, I was like really conscious of, of that, of like, okay, there's 50 people supporting it. And I recognize some of these names. And, and so like, it's interesting because journalism has always been, I mean, the romantic idea of journalism is that, you know, you are, a crusader for the truth you you know uh you you just tell it how it is you you're not beholden to anybody but yeah historically like journalism has been beholden to advertisers to you know the viewpoints of its owners all these different forces right so when then you have crowdfunding <clears throat> i think it's not like that uh those that dynamic necessarily goes away um so I remember in the early stages, uh, like being kind of overthinking it if somebody would cancel. Uh, so if somebody would cancel their membership and I'd be like, oh, like, was it, I wonder what, like, did, did we do something that precipitated this? And, uh, and yeah, when it's like 50 people or, you know, a handful of people uh, supporting you, it, it's, it, when you lose one, it feels like a lot. Now with, you know, 1800 members, I think that that's like, if somebody cancels now, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Like that's the, that's uh, the nature that's of nor- the business. That's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the nature of the business. And it might be, so- and yeah, it might be because of X or Y article or this, po- some podcast or whatever. It might, it might be that we did something that rubbed some, somebody the wrong way, but that's, like we need to do that. Yeah. Uh, like you can't, <laughs> you can't just uh, cater to what your audience wants to hear because if you do that, you're you have no integrity, right? So, and that and that's one thing. Like honestly, that I took away from fast forward, um, because <laughs> it, it was really funny. Like when I was there working as the staff writer. Um, sometimes I would get put on these entertainment or not entertainment stories, but like these local news stories about the arts scene uh, and about things going on at different organizations. And, and, and I get put on these stories because, because I had the news chops to do it and the normal entertainment writers weren't necessarily didn't, didn't uh, yeah, didn't necessarily have those, skills for doing that kind of journalism so i'd phone up you know so and so from a local arts organization and and they'd be really indignant about like oh fast like why are you doing this story uh i thought fast forward is supposed to be supporting local arts and here you are like trying to stir things up like why are you trying to make us look bad like there was real resistance uh to to any kind of uh scrutiny i would say um but like those were important stories. Like you can't just be totally. <laughs> you, can't just, 
you can't just be like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And the local arts scene is amazing. And this organization like can do no wrong. Like you've got to be able to, uh, to call it like it is and to, and to dig and to, and to do this stuff. So I, I, I think of that often because I'm like, okay, now that the sprawl is established, like it's our responsibility to do that kind of journalism, uh, to, to do stuff that, yeah, it won't please everybody. Cause like you go down that road and you're, you, you got nowhere to go. Do you have a sense of who your, who your audience is or who your subscribers are in the sense, like, like the Taiyi, for example, I mean, their subscribers, I think we can safely suggest that the vast majority of their subscribership would be on the left side of the political spectrum. I think we can all safely say that those uh, post-millennial subscribers are all on the all on the right kind of thing. Do you have a sense of your re- your audience ideology? I mean, my guess is that it would be further to the left because these days covering news fairly means outing conservatives in Alberta for their insanity, right? Yeah. So you can't look right-wing if you do your job properly the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right uh, about, like, our, our audience probably does skew left. Uh, that said, like, there are a number of conservatives who support the sprawl as well, like people who consider themselves conservatives. And that's a thing in Alberta, which I think we tend to forget is there are a lot of red Tory types right now who are watching all this go down and they are not happy. Uh, and so, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a big audience out there of people who are just kind of watching all this stuff and being like, what is going on? What is happening to my province? Uh, and and I, I would say that that's kind of our audience, like these folks who are watching all this and being like, what is going on here? Um, so yeah, for sure, that, that, that covers like a swath of uh, the left and progressive types, but also some, uh, some conservative uh, types as well. Well, and I, I mean, I feel the same. Like, obviously, I mean, sure, we have the real fringe far right people that kind of hate what I do and will phone in or mostly they will write ticked offs and things like that. Cause it's anonymous, right? Like they never, yeah. ever, ever email me ever. Yeah. Like I got, I've got like seven or eight negative emails in like a year and a half. Right. Yeah. But they always, you know, they, but, but there are the, what I do hear from is like you said, the red Tories or the people that have voted conservative mm. for their life, you know, uh, Colleen Boxel's my favorite. She's mm. one that comes to mind. She's a local woman who that's, I mean, she voted conservative PC throughout and she's fully aware that what we're dealing with today is nothing like, you know, Lougheed conservatives mm-hmm. for, for example, or whatever. And, and so I get, I get seen as I get accused of all kinds of, you know, mm-hmm. socialist this or whatever. And I mean, if you really ask me about my ideolo- ideology, yeah, you'd find me on the left. Like it's not, mm-hmm. I'm not hiding that. Right. But when yeah. I write, when I, when I write, I'm just exposing truths about our government that mm-hmm. are there to be exposed. Like, you know, boss says like, can you find something nice to write about? Well, not about this government. I can't <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
yeah, as yeah. a journalist? Like, what am I supposed oh, yeah. to find? Like, and so we, I want to like sort of expand what we're talking about here because you, I asked you about biasness, right? Like, do you feel mm-hmm. like you need to be unbiased uh, as in this? And you kind of scoffed at just the word itself, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a romantic idea, like the idea of the unbiased journalist. And that's kind of, that's the ideal that a lot of us have grown up with, which is, you know, journalism should be unbiased. And if it's unbiased, then like, it's good. Um, But if you start to unpack that, uh, it's interesting looking at the history of journalism, because like, you know, journalism 100, 100 years ago, 150 years ago was openly partisan. Um, it's interesting, I, I, uh, at my daughter's school uh, in Calgary, they have a cabinet full of you know, historical artifacts. And one of the things in there is a copy of the Albertan newspaper. So this is the paper that became eventually the Calgary Sun. And this, this paper is from, this copy of the paper is from the 20s or 30s. 20s, yeah, I think it's the 20s. But uh, it's interesting because it right on the front page, like it has the Albertan and then written underneath, it has something to the effect of, if it's good for Alberta, the Albertan is for it. And I always, I saw that. I'm like, that's, that's interesting because that's not, that's not unbiased. Not they're, at all. No, they're saying, you know, they're saying if it's good for Alberta, you know, we're for it. Now, obviously, if you uh, look at that and you talk to different people, everybody's going to have a different view of what is good for Alberta. So that gets uh, complicated pretty quickly. Um, but, but the question of bias, I just, I, I don't, I increasingly don't think it's a useful lens through which to view journalism. Because it's like we all bring our own experiences. Like I talked about at the start of the show, like I grew up in these extreme uh, fundamentalist Christianity, uh, these schools. Um, and, and so that informs what I do now. Like a lot of what I do is probably in reaction to some of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so rather than, uh, you know, saying, I'm unbiased. I, I, to me, what is a more useful lens for journalism and foundation is, you know, is it fair? Is it true? Is it accurate? Well, uh, and see that I want to stop you right there because people think, and this is the thing, there's this faction or maybe it's just been uh, uh, developed by politicians or corporate or whatever, but there's this idea somehow that un, that unbiased it and fair are synonymous mm, and, yeah, and yeah. They, 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 they aren't at all yeah, synonymous, totally. right? Like fair is like you said, are you accurate? Are mm-hmm. you telling the truth? And even if you're using facts to mislead, you can't, you know what I mean? The, but, but biasness has nothing. I mean, what are you supposed to do? The facts are the facts. If they're all pointing to one thing, Mm-hmm, totally. You have no obligation to anyone. In fact, you're doing the public a disservice if you provide the other side of that story if there really isn't one. Yeah, like, and here's an example of that. Um, 
which is before, before the last provincial election, the sprawl sent a reporter to San Francisco, uh, Taylor Lambert, who's our provincial affairs reporter now, he went to San Francisco to investigate uh, Kenny's extremist past, like as a student activist. We're the only Alberta media outlet that sent somebody down there uh, before Kenny became premier. Cause it's like all the, you know, there, 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 there were these YouTube clips and things that would emerge of like, here's what this guy was doing, but like nobody, yeah, there was limited information on what was he doing down there and, and how has he, like, has he accounted for it? Has he apologized for it? Anyway, so uh taylor goes down there knocks on doors talks to like you know a former uh pro-life activist or sorry uh pro-choice activist uh who who got into it with kenny as a student so we do this big investigation we publish it and one of the interesting things about the reader response to that story was that a few people said okay yeah good story interesting i didn't know that stuff but now are you going to do a big investigation into Rachel Notley's, uh, you know, her, the same period of her life. So there's this assumption that Kenny did this stuff. There must be an equivalent that Notley was involved in that counterbalances this. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so that this is that idea of like false equivalency, right? right. That like that, that, that there's, that these two sides are always more or less equal, just kind of coming from different perspectives. Right. And that's the thing. And then like, and then you have to be, you know, and I, I don't think it's like a giant group, but like I said, the people that are get upset are always the loudest, right. Or the people that whine about these things are always the loudest. And so it's just sort of sticks with you. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, and then those people are like, Oh, well, this guy's, you know, pro NDP because he's saying this about the UCP or whatever. Like it's fucking infuriating as a journalist. Like, yeah, what are, I, like there are like there, everyone knows about Kenny's, the rumors of Kenny's past in college. Like that's a story yeah. there. There are none yeah, yeah, about totally. Rachel Notley. Like there just are none. Like if yeah, there like, was a rumor, <laughs> we'd look into it. Yeah, totally. And, and that's the thing is it's, that, that's the problem with, like journalism as we understand it and as we romanticize it right now as this uh, unbiased and you must kind of affix yourself in the center of whatever two poles are happening. Um, you know, as one side goes further and further off the deep end, which is what we're seeing in Alberta right now, quite frankly, like uh, in terms of ignoring democratic norms, all this stuff, like, is it the job of the journalist as, as one of these sides goes way over here? Do we need to position ourselves in the middle? Because now we're, we're really kind of moving. Uh, we're actually moving what we're doing. And it's like, no, like that's not, our job is not to confer legitimacy on these illegitimate acts, right? Correct. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. But it's a, it's a complicated question. And, and, and I think like, the question of bias, like people will say to me, like they'll say, oh, I appreciate the sprawl because it's unbiased. Like people will say that. Right. And, and I kind <laughs> of, I get it. And I, what I take that to mean is that it's credible. Like it's, it's, it's fair. It's, it's pursuing the truth. 
And this is why we need to have conversations like this, because we need those people with their, their intentions are great or whatever. But we need people to understand the fundamental difference between fairness and bias. Mm-hmm. This is this is like essential that people get that. Because mm-hmm. like this notion, especially when there are so few of us remaining doing these jobs, like we, if we're running around looking for the unbiased, like definite, you know, Webster's definition of bias, we're looking for mm-hmm. the unbiased, we're wasting our time. Mm-hmm. We need to find the truth and mm-hmm. present it in a fair way. That's just it. So, totally. Right? And I, and I, and like, and that's also fraught in a way, like the the idea of the truth. And I mean, we could get all pretty philosophical uh, about all this. I mean, like, and and uh, there's a one of my former editors, uh, Darren Krauss, runs Livewire uh, in Calgary, which is another independent news site uh, that does more daily daily news. But he and I have some interesting conversations about this because we come at it from a different perspective um and and his view is more like journalism should be unbiased and i'm like no journalism should be about the truth and his, and his point is well who says what's the truth you know right. like you if we if we talk about what's the truth like who's who's the arbiter of that well this um, is the, the truth is and that's the this is our job like people like what did we friggin go to school for if it wasn't for finding the truth and sifting through bullshit that's what we do mm. we, we laugh about that sometimes when people will phone or talk to us in a manner of like and i'm, I'm not trying to be sound like conceited here or whatever but it's like the one skill we have is like you can't feed us bullshit like mm-hmm. you can't if you're telling me something and it's like you're start you know you're beating around the bush or you're using a lot of filler. Like I know you're full of shit. That's what we went to school to sift through, right? Like this mm-hmm. is what we do. The tr- if, if you're not finding the truth, what are you doing? But for whatever reason, what we do now is we print what the goddamn government says. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We ask the opposition critic what they say, and we print one quote at the end of the story and we call that a news story. That yeah, is yeah. not journalism. <laughs> anyone can say anything like i've been saying this i said this a a while back a a competitor here printed a story from you know with drew barnes talking about 650 billion dollars transferred from alberta to the federal government without a fact check of it at all just moved on like that like that's a truthful statement like Mm -hmm. that is not are you being unbiased or are you being a shitty journalist there? Like your job is not to just print every word someone says. Yeah, your yeah. job that's... is to figure out if what they're saying is full of shit or not. Totally. And, and, and that's what we've seen in the States, right. With in the Trump era, which is, you know, you have these respected news organizations that are running these uh, quite frankly, insane headlines where you know, Trump has said something. So it just gets reported as, you know, X, Y, and Z Trump says, uh, and, and, and there's this, and that comes along with this idea of like, well, we're, we're not saying, you know, we're not, we're not taking a side. We're just reporting, uh, what he said. And it's like, well, you know, that is not adequate. (laughs) You can't do that. Uh, I feel like those people missed that day in journalism school. Honestly, I think so. (laughs) Totally. But I think that's, uh, that's part of the issue with this unbiased 
the idea of being unbiased held up as the ideal because because you can always just say that you can just be like well uh you know if, if that's the kind of reporting you do you can just be like well you know i'm i'm not i'm not taking a side right i i'm, I'm just saying what he said uh right. so it's i mean like, and I don't care if as a publication, like uh, if you're even like unabashedly ideological as a publication, like, like the post-millennial or, or the tie even like, like they're basically like, or press progress even, right. Isn't going to go after too many NDP politicians when they got so many conservative politicians to expose or whatever. Right. Like, I don't give yeah, a yeah. shit if you lean one way or the other, just yep. be truthful. Like you cannot yep. argue with press progress's reporting. I don't care if you think it's for one purpose or another. Like, I don't care if they're secretly in a room saying like, let's get Rachel Notley elected or let's get Jagmeet Singh elected. Yep. I don't give a shit what they're doing. The, are I, they I would, sourcing truthful, credible information? And the answer is yes, of course they are. But yeah, and I, I see what you're saying. I would challenge you a bit there though. Cause like, even when I think about the sprawl, I think that's a useful test for us, which is like, okay, if uh, if NDP MLAs were doing this, you know, Hawaii stuff or yeah, or or whatever, would we would we go after it? Like, I, I think there is a requirement of, you know, you can't just cheerlead for a team. Or right. this is this is how I see it. It's like you got to apply that same rigor to, yeah the the official opposition or you know if the ndp be becomes government you have to be able to uh to do that you can't just re uh limit it to uh one side that's the preferable stance like i'm not mm -hmm. trying to say that i would prefer the other way i'm just saying like if you're going to you know when some publications kind of do and like i don't know press progress would they go after the ndp if they all went to hawaii probably right like i don't <laughs> think they're i don't think they're like tied to them like that i i was it was entirely hypothetical and i should say that because i don't want to lump hey, press hey. progress or anyone else into being like for a party right i'm just yeah. saying like if you're gonna do it stick to the facts right and like and and, and sure if 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 the left or the right or the center or whatever, somebody does something that's worth reporting, fucking report it. Like that's yeah, the yeah. bottom line. But if you're going to have bias, be yeah. accurate, like just be yeah, accurate yeah. and truthful. And when you present that bias, do it fairly. You're not ignore. Don't, don't ignore parts of the truth. Yeah. This is, you're not like, don't create an advertorial for what you're doing. Create mm -hmm. the truth, like present the truth. But if, if, if the truth is that, you know, X is bad and Y is good, then report that. I mean, mm -hmm. it is yeah, what yeah. it is, right? So we're exactly. wrapping up here. We're gonna, we gotta wrap up, but I wanna ask you, um, cause we're coming into an election year uh, in Calgary again. So full circle for you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, what, do, what do you see for the, uh, I guess we should ask this for everybody at New Year. Like what's 2021 look like for the sprawl? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of these things where the whole provincial scene right now <laughs> i mean it's 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 just like a ride we're on it feels like and we're trying to hang on right um and and the worse things get politically in alberta perversely the better it is for the sprawl <laughs> like the more people are you know what i mean i almost feel guilty about it uh, so I, <laughs> yeah i mean like you've seen the same phenomenon right so i think i think that'll be a part of it is like continuing to yeah give that 
give that rigor and uh, scrutiny to what's happening provincially. But yeah, also the municipal election in Calgary, that's going to be a big one. Uh, I suspect Nenshi is not going to run again. He's being coy about it, as he always is. But mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm quite certain, even if he does run again, there's going to be an interesting mayoral race. So it's going to be going to be lively and uh and and against the provincial backdrop i mean going back to uh going back to your co-host who is absent here today <laughs> miss that's you, Jeremy. <laughs> that's kind of the idea behind what he's doing which is uh the overlap of municipal and provincial politics uh because it's no secret that the ucp is trying to you know, they've made some changes to make municipal elections more favorable to the candidates that they are inclined to support and who would support them, et cetera. Um, so, so Jeremy's going to be looking into that uh, for the sprawl. And I think that's a very interesting, uh, interesting file and will continue to be. Well, I mean, if there's one thing about when Jeremy was laid off due to COVID, um, temporarily of course um <laughs> if there's one thing that's that's good about that because you know he's moved away so that's sad and like he doesn't work with mm -hmm. us anymore so that's sad uh if there's something that's good is that he's a he's a really good investigative journalist like he's a good journalist and when he totally. gets doing like he needs to do this like if i'm done at the newspaper i could probably get into you know, communications role or something like that. I could like expand what I do. Jeremy should be a journalist for life. Like it's something totally. that he needs to stick with because he's better at it than most people I've ever, ever encountered in my uh, 11 year career. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. He's got the chops. Yeah. He's good. So I'm, sure. I, I'm really looking forward to what he, uh, what he brings there. And uh, I, I think 2021 is going to be for lack of a, uh, positive term at least interesting yeah um you know and uh we'll see all this oh goes. yeah I, the people that think that the calendar turns and everything's just wiped clean are gonna have a fucking shitty january <laughs> well but... yeah i mean i mean we figured that out on new year's day right with uh, <laughs> right? with all this hawaii stuff it's oh like, nope. god how many minutes into the new year are the ucp gonna go oh no okay so none zero okay gotcha yeah. <laughs> unbelievable mo exactly. my friend uh you he spoke infinitely more than normal, but still not. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to uh, ask our friend uh, before we let him go? Yeah, I did want to ask you one thing. So Scott and I, when COVID hit, we had to take a 20% pay cut. Then I got laid off and our Jeremy also got laid off. And I only got brought back because of government funding through the local journalism initiative. Mm. And I'm done in March for as far as far as I know. Um, but I want to know how COVID affected the sprawl. And if it had a similar effect, did you really have to tighten the belt? Or did it kind of have an opposite effect? And you guys kept growing? Mm -hmm. It by and large, it had the opposite effect. Uh, and, and that's been true of a lot of independence, actually, um, where I, I don't know if it was the combination of people being stuck at home, like starting in March and like wanting local news um, and local stories, but yeah, it, it actually, our support increased. We did see a dip uh, in the summer and, and 
that's to be expected, you know, where we had members saying like, yeah, I lost my job. Like I can't keep supporting you guys. Um, and so, so that happened, but by and large, yeah, the sprawl, like our membership doubled in 2020, uh, which is mind blowing. And that's a combination I think of COVID and the provincial situation. Um, well, so. like you said, it's this morbid thing about like sometimes in journalism, like pays off for what you're trying to do if a bunch of shit happens like yeah yeah you know, like I, said, I, th I think about that sometimes i'm like you know if 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 notley was premier if the ndp had won the election like where would the sprawl be right now would, would it be would it have this kind of support uh it's an interesting question i don't know the answer but like <laughs> but well you but, had i mean people go home like they they like you know, crisis brings need for in information, right? So people are are looking for information. It's a time when, like, it's so obvious which media outlets are being full of shit right now because, like, the the truths are quite obvious and quite clear, right? So when someone's not telling you that, that gets easy. Start seeking out ones, right? You're kind of mm -hmm. sitting at home. I mean, it makes sense to start tapping into the sprawl. I became a supporter in the last six months myself, and these kinds of things. Like, whereas at the the newspaper the first thing that happens is all these businesses shut down and whatnot and mm -hmm. nobody advertises anymore and we fucking go like our revenue tanked tanked mm -hmm. yeah, right? yeah and uh i mean so you know and that's like, the benefit of not being reliant on advertising exactly like it's like all that stuff happened with local businesses in calgary but it didn't affect us directly in that way where like here's a huge chunk of our revenue and now that's gone uh, well, I think personally, and I'm going to wrap up here, but I, I guess I want to say that I think that the biggest thing we should say for your guys's growth is that you do a good job. And that's like, yeah, well, you're really providing the need that you thought you were providing. Like you said, I felt there was a gap. I needed to fill that gap. You are filling that gap. And that's why you guys are doing so well. So we just well, wanted to I appreciate that. say that because I know you're doing great. And uh, it isn't just because, uh, you've hired my friend and I want him to stay employed, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but listen, um, I really want to thank you for being on the show and uh, I have loved being a supporter of the sprawl. You guys do great work and I've, I look forward to seeing what you guys do in 2021. Yeah. Well, thanks Scott. And thanks Mo. And yeah, keep up, uh, keep up the good work at medicine, medicine hat news there. Well, if they let us, we'll keep going, you know, so, but uh, yeah. we're, we're not going to go away. Don't worry. We'll, we'll yeah. we're loud, but so, so this is the time in the show where we say a little quick thank you to those of our patrons who go well above and beyond our expectations. So uh, we'd like to say thank you and a happy new year to Big Red Machine, to Dave Bonmiller and to Chris Sterwold. Um, love you guys thanks for your support to our other patrons thank you guys you guys keep this thing going and uh we have i don't want to give anything away but we have some really really good uh lineup sort of ready for the next month and a bit here so uh we uh hope you guys are enjoying what you're hearing and uh support us if you can if you can't just keep listening and uh we'll see you guys next week thanks for coming take care goodbye <laughs>